0: Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Vill jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, scores! Carlson. Yes. Carlson. Yes. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me, as he has been all season long, Brian Com.
1: Hey Elon, wow, another fantasy season done, another podcast season done, or almost done with the conclusion of this episode. What a year it's been.
0: Yeah, it's been so much fun talking every week, getting some tips from you on who to pick up and drop in our pools. Unfortunately, I didn't win, but a bunch of people did win their pools. We're going to name drop all of you later on. We've got a bit of a smorgasbord type episode, just a bunch of things we want to talk about. Obviously, we don't have many tips for you right now. Maybe we'll talk a bit about... People to draft next season. But mainly, we want to just recap the season, talk about some things that are on our minds, and hopefully, you, the listeners, will enjoy the show. Let's mention first, we're presented by dailyfaceoff.com, and that website was really valuable yesterday because for the last day of the fantasy season for those of you who were in leagues that went until the last day and were lucky enough to be in the finals there were so many players sitting you needed to be checking daily face off to see if your player was even going to play or if you needed to make a last minute roster switch man like Jonathan Taves Duncan Keith Shattenkirk Oshie Koivu Nash like all the Calgary Flames Lad Wheeler that was like a brutal day to be a fantasy owner like if your finals went to yesterday that must have been so frustrating brian you were in a league that you went till yesterday and you had a bunch of your players sitting right
1: yeah just moments before puck drop we found out that kevin shattenkirk blake wheeler and miko koivu were not going to play luckily i had still active players available to me on my bench but not as good as those three so that was kind of a shame although that's something people were dealing with all week this week
0: yeah, I think it was Thursday. Parise sad, Zuccarello sad. It was a brutal week. Brian, what do you think about pools that go into the final week of the season? I feel like, I don't recall it being this bad last year, but regardless, I feel like it doesn't make sense for fantasy hockey to go to this last week of the season. That was ridiculous.
1: There's probably a better way to do it, because the last week is definitely not the most representative week of how your team is doing. And it also like begs an interesting question about drafting. And if your league is set up this way, so that there's a one-week playoff in the final week of the season, it's almost like players on teams who are not going to make the playoffs or who are still fighting for a playoff spot in games eighty, eighty-one, and eighty-two. Those are the guys you should want. You should want, like, say, Jamie Ben more than Rick Nash because the Rangers are going to be comfortably in the playoffs and the Stars won't be, although I think a lot of us thought the Stars would do better this season than they ended up in the standings. And I guess there are a couple ways to solve this, and Elon, we're going to design our ideal fantasy league at one point over a summer series, and I think this will be a part of it, which is figuring out the best way to do a finals matchup I think probably making the week before the finals matchup or a two-week final are the best options to avoid having your whole fantasy season sort of resting on the fate of a guy's nagging injury that he can play through in the playoffs but just needs a couple extra days rest.
0: Yeah, like, the fact that you had to sit Blake Wheeler and put in Alex Wenberg as his replacement at the last minute, like, that's not fair to you. Like, you drafted Wheeler early on not to have Alex Wenberg decide your fantasy fate. And, yeah, that'll be a fun discussion over the summer series. little spoiler, guys. We're going to talk later on this episode about what we have coming for the summer. We are going to keep producing Keeping Carlson episodes We hope you'll be there to listen to us, but we still have more to talk about today. I wanted to talk right now about who were some of the MVPs and LVPs from this last week of Fantasy Hockey, because even though it was a frustrating week and so many players were sitting, there were still some players that ended up being saviors for their teams And maybe it's going to be worth noting who these guys were for next year. Like you say, Brian, when you're drafting, like, who are the people who, you know, one-year sample? But it's interesting to note that Jamie Ben, like you said, not only did he clinch the Art Ross trophy last night, which was very exciting because John Tavares had two points putting him three points ahead of Ben, and then Ben had a four-point night to jump ahead. And yeah, Jamie, Ben is now the Art Ross winner, believe it or not. But Ben last week, he had 10 points in three games. It was four points yesterday, but also he had three points against San Jose... And three points against Anaheim, so Jamie Ben was the MVP, I'm sure, for many, many fantasy teams, and probably the kryptonite that killed a lot of teams that were playing against him.
1: Yeah, that was a crazy game last night, and he played something like, you know, three minutes and 40 seconds of the last five minutes, which I know had some Islanders fans pretty frustrated, but you still have to get those points when you're on the ice. Just three and a half minutes of ice time is not a guarantee of points. Jamie Ben was able to pull it off. Interestingly enough, it was without Sagan in the lineup, which I don't know if that helped or hurt. Ben, you know, on one hand, you can make the argument, well, like his partner for scoring all those points, getting goals and assists, they work together. On the other hand, you could say, well, Ben was more of a solo act last night, and he had the puck more often because Sagan wasn't on the ice. But I'm just going to bring up somebody else's name who played a decent part in Ben's season this year. And that's Patrick Eves, who finished above a half point per game for the first time in his career. In his rookie season with Ottawa in 2005-2006, he had 29 points in 58 games. That was his best points per game pace of his entire career, and that includes stops in Carolina and Detroit. He played five games in Nashville, but Dallas has been really good to him. He saw power play time. He got a career high in power play points with nine this year, and he got to ride often as the third wheel to the Ben again top line in Dallas, and that helped him get to where he was. And he had five points over his last four games, including 10 shots over his last three games. I had him as a streamed ad to my team this week. If I kept him the whole way, I might have been better off than when I dropped him to swap him out to get an extra game out of another player. But let's take this all back to Jamie Ben. What a guy. Elon, I think at the start of the season, we had a show called Sure Shots and Probably Nots, where we talked about who the new elite players were in the NHL. And one that we added to the list of elite players was Jamie Ben.
0: Yeah, and that definitely was the right call. Because like I said, he's now the leader in points for this season. And Good job with calling that. I guess it wasn't the hardest call. He had already been amazing. But now, definitely, he is one of the top guys. And I wonder how this will affect his draft position next year. Like, does he become someone who gets drafted top five? Like, it's interesting to note that while Jamie Ben won the Art Ross, one guy who many people, including Brock Sagan, predicted to win the Art Ross when I had him on early in the season, Stephen Stamkos, he was nowhere to be seen in the race. Stamkos ended up 14th in league scoring with 72 points in 82 games. Still, obviously, an amazing season, but nothing compared to Jamie Benn, who had 87 points in 82 games. So, yes, Stamkos wasn't injured. He just wasn't there, even in the top 10. So, Brian, I wonder, next year, let's say you have... I don't know, third overall, whatever pick it is, and let's say you're deciding between Ben and Stamkos, who would you want?
1: I think I would still take Stamkos over Jamie Ben, um, just because in previous years, you know, Stamkos has been better, and he's also a year younger than Jamie Ben, so I don't think that this is going to be a constant thing. I don't think the gap, at least, is going to be always this big between the two. And remember that Jamie Ben had 15 points, over his last five games played, so he went on a crazy run to get as high as he did, and that's certainly not to take anything away from him, but Stamkos was not similarly hot down the stretch, just four points over his last five games. That's an 11-point spread right there. This season, Steven Stamkos also saw his lowest on-ice shooting percentage since his rookie season, back in 2008-2009, when Barry Melrose was still coaching. So it's been a long time since he saw as poor shooting by his teammates as he did this year. Although he has to own some of that. Some of that on ice shooting percentage is hung on him. He finished about 1.2 percentage points lower than his career average and actually a full four percentage points lower than his shooting percentage from last year. Even if he was able to hit his career average, which is just a smidge above 17% compared to the 16% he had this year, that would have been worth three more goals to him, given the amount of shots he takes. So I guess the question has sort of evolved into why did Steven Stamkos get 72 points, this year only? And will it happen again? And I think no. I think he'll best that point total next year. And Jamie Ben, I feel like, will stay around the same neighborhood. There's no reason to think that he's going to go way down himself. And I figure they'll end up reasonably close to each other. I don't know. It's a really good question. I think at the end of the day, I'll still take Sam
0: Well, definitely it'll be fun at some point in our season series. I guess we'll name our tiers, and it'll be interesting to see who we'll put in that top tier. I think both of those guys will be there. Maybe we'll try to predict an Art Ross winner going into next season. But anyways, I was talking about players who were MVPs last week. Another name I want to mention is Alex Edler. Anyone who picked him up, because he was probably available in lots of leagues to stream, and anyone who picked him up definitely was rewarded. The guy had six points in his last two games to end the year. He had three assists against Arizona, and then a goal and two assists yesterday against Edmonton. Brian, it was a disappointing year for Alex Edler overall, only 31 points in 74 games. Which actually, if you think about it, that's pretty decent for a defenseman. That averages out to around 40 points, maybe a little less than 40 points if he played a full season. He really picked it up near the end of the season. For a while, I remember he wasn't doing much, but really came on strong. Like I've said, he had all those points in those last couple of games. He also had a bunch of shots near the end of the year. He had a five-shot game against Winnipeg.
1: Like you said, 31 points in 74 games does not look bad, but it did look bad four games ago when he had 23 points in 70 games. And you're thinking, what a waste of a season that this has been for Alex Edler it was not in the end no like you said he was able to put up eight points over his last four games and his shot totals were actually still really good throughout the year he put up 14 power play points which is more than he put up last year well and in the lockout shortened season before that so that doesn't quite count as a huge accomplishment in that account plus minus, he was a little more helpful to you than last year when he was a minus 39, plus 13 this year for what that's worth. And I haven't lost hope on him completely next year. I don't know if he's going to hit the 40 point mark again, which he was able to do for four years consecutively, if we're assuming that the lockout shortened season could have been extended and he could have maintained the point base he was on. But with adjusted expectations, I'd be happy with 30-35 points from him, a bunch on the power play, and a lot of shots and goal for a defenseman.
0: Yeah, I don't see any reason why he won't still be the number one D in Vancouver next year. Of course, the Sedins will be a year older. At some point, those guys will slow down, I'd assume. And that will probably hurt Edler's production, but probably at least one more good year in them. I'll mention, since we're talking about last week, the Sedins also were very helpful to their owners. Both of them had five points in three games. It's even just nice that they played all three games because Vancouver was comfortably... In the playoffs, but yeah, Henrik Sedin had all assists, five assists, and Daniel Sedin had three goals and two assists. So great weeks for them and great seasons for them because they were both really down last season. They both had weak years and they both bounced back very well. Daniel Sedin ended up with 76 points in 82 games, and Henrik Sedin had 73 points in 82 games. Brian, do you think that next year, are they going to be able to stay where they were this year? Or do you think it's going to go back to that downward trend that they had the year before where they both had like just around 50?
1: No, last year's decline was too steep and too sudden to be something that I think is going to happen again. They will both be 35 years old at the time that next season starts. And, you know, players tend to start declining around 30, 31, 32. So, you know, they're getting deep into it. And it was wonderful to see them both not such great sort of rebound seasons this year. I don't think that it's fair to expect them to continue matching their point totals from the previous year at this stage of their career. But I also don't expect such a precipitous decline from them in their numbers. So you had 73 points from Henrik this year, 76 points from Daniel this year. Just take off a few from each of them. I think you'd be wise to draft them, if you could, in a position where you'd get a player who's going to get 65, 70 points, rather than a player who's going to get you 75 or 80.
0: Okay, let me bring up one more player who was an MVP for his fantasy owners last week, as well as for his team, because he was a huge part in his team clinching the playoffs. We have to talk about Mark Stone. He produced four goals and one assist in the Sens' last three games, all wins, all huge games, and Mark Stone was clearly, if you watch the games, was one of the stars of the team, one of the main drivers of offense from what I could tell, and that just capped off an amazing season for him, and especially, you know, with the way it ended. He was slow at the beginning, but Stone actually, with his two goals yesterday tied Johnny Gaudreau for the lead in rookie scoring this season with 64 points in 80 games. Gaudreau also 64 points in 80 games. I'll mention that Philip Forsberg had 63 points in 82 games. That was the top three, the next highest was a big drop 48 points for another senator Mike Hoffman but I'm talking about Mark Stone and another crazy thing is he actually led all rookies in plus minus did you know this Brian plus 21 and Ottawa was such a weak defensive team for most of the season so it's wild that someone on Ottawa Mark Stone had a higher plus minus than Philip Forsberg on Nashville who's supposed to be a much more defensive team so of course like I said Mark Stone was so valuable last week and for the whole second half of the season I'd love to know your thoughts Brian on what you think of him next year I feel like come on is this guy like a 70 point guy at this point he was a point per game for like his last 40 games of the season
1: I'm going to start just by taking on that point you made about plus-minus with Forsberg and Stone. You know, Nashville isn't that defensive shutdown team that they always were, so I don't know if it's fair to make that comparison. And actually, since the coaching change, the Senators are, you know, just like knocking on the door of the top 10 in terms of score-adjusted Corsi, which would suggest that they are a good team to be on if you'd like your plus-minus to be okay. It hasn't been the case that way for the last couple of years Nadwa. But things took a step in the right direction because of their possession numbers and because of the insane goaltending that they were able to get from Andrew Hammond. As far as scoring, let's just take a look. Since January 1st, I'm going to read to you the top scorers in the NHL, and that's about 45-46 games. Jamie Benn, in order. John Tavares, Alex Ovechkin, Mark Stone, Sidney Crosby, Daniel Sedin, Henrik Sedin, and then it goes on from there. But Mark Stone is clearly, like, in this totally elite group and actually if you look at just even strength scoring if you take away every player's power play opportunities Mark Stone is the leading point getter since January 1st 32 points at even strength two more than Jamie Ben in the same span.
0: Unbelievable.
1: So what do we say about next year? Well we've had our share of disappointing sophomore seasons recently most recently with Nathan McKinnon who had 63 points in his rookie campaign followed it up with 38 points this year in 64 games a lower shooting percentage was the culprit a really rough team and system for a bunch of the year in Colorado was another culprit I don't know Elon like I know you're really pumped about Mark stone and I want to be too because he's a lot of fun to watch when you see him take a shot it's always exciting there's always a chance that it'll go in and he's also so good at creating chances I think he's one of the league leaders and takeaways for what that's worth but all you need to do is Watch a game or two of him, and you just see how many times he just subtly and swiftly lifts an opponent's stick or just pokes a puck away. He's so good at taking the puck and getting it for himself in a good position right away. What does this all translate into? You know, I don't want to get my hopes up too high because I also think you'll be able to draft him outside the top two rounds of your draft, so you might not need to lump him in with other established 70-point guys. If you think that that's his ceiling, Elon, you can go for it there. But I would draft him around the same place as I would 60, 65-point player. And I think even in that case, I don't know if his profile is high enough that he has to be like the first of that group to be taken. I wonder how long you could let him slide, but you definitely don't want to let him slide for too long. I think he's going to be just fine. As a sophomore in the NHL next year, he was also a little bit older than most rookies. He's 22 years old now. He'll be 23 next year. I think everything's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, well, even the fact that you're saying maybe not a 70-point guy, but probably more like a 60-point guy. That's pretty amazing. No one would have predicted that halfway into this season when he was a rookie that was okay. He was on the team, but nothing special. Now we're talking about him as potentially a guy that could be drafted in the top three, four, five rounds of next year's drafts at the latest. And yeah, it's crazy that aside from Eric Carlson, I have a feeling that Mark Stone will be the top drafted guy. I guess him or maybe Torres.
1: Or Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan has been disappointing a lot of his fantasy owners down the stretch, but he's clearly injured. Something has been wrong since, like, February. It was initially a hand thing, and, like, it seems to... I don't know what exactly is being impacted here. You can tell, like, his release isn't the same. He's not as swift with the puck. And he's also not seeming to make sort of the smart hockey IQ decisions that I've seen him make, both as a member of the Ducks and the Sens, so I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I think actually he'll be a good candidate to pick later in the draft than you were able to get him this year, and then you can hopefully enjoy a bounce back season from Bobby Ryan next year. Before we move away from the Sens, Elon, just one more point about Mark Stone if we're trying to figure out where he's going to end up next year. I mentioned his age, a 22-year-old. Other 22-year-old rookies who had similar seasons to him, Andre Palat, Christopher Versteeg, Blake Wheeler, and TJ Oshie. That is a pretty good list to be a part of. If we can project him anywhere around an Oshie, Wheeler, or Palat, you should feel pretty comfortable grabbing him where you think they are taken in your next draft.
0: And since I've mentioned a bunch of players who were MVPs of the final week of the fantasy season, let me mention a couple who let their owners down big time. And there's no one who let his owners down more than Evgeny Malkin, because he had zero points in his last four games. In those four games after coming back from injury, he provided nothing. He did have six shots yesterday against Buffalo, but like I said, no points to show for it. He was actually minus six also in those last four games. So he was not someone you wanted to have on your team. But let's just mention for a second that Evgeny Malkin had an amazing season. He's not in the top 10 in league scoring, but that's because he only played 69 games, but he did have 70 points in those 69 games and there's actually not that many players who had more than a point per game this year you know there's Jamie Benn with 87 82 then Tavares and Crosby but even Alex Ovechkin he had 81 points in 81 games and then as you go down the list like Sagan's there with 77 points in 71 games but Malkin is part of a small group so disappointing end to the year but that just goes to show how well he was doing beforehand of course the big concern with him is he was injured A lot of the time, he only played 69 games. Brian, should people start being concerned about drafting Malkin next year because he's an injury risk?
1: That sounds like a crazy question to me. Just because a guy misses 13 games played does not necessarily make him an injury risk. Although, looking back, he did miss 20 games the season before, and he missed 13 games the season before that. so maybe it's not so
0: crazy of a question well
1: yeah there is a bit of a history here actually he's only played 75 games or more in a season four of his nine years in the league so I guess it's not a terrible question but I'm still not like gun shy about bringing him on my team if I can get Evgeny Malkin I'm gonna take Evgeny Malkin
0: over Jamie (laughs) Ben.
1: oh man I think you should just end all your sentences for the rest of the show with over Jamie Ben, And I think it'll be a really good show that way.
0: Yeah, but you're evading the question.
1: Yes, I would still take Evgeny Malkin over Jamie Ben.
0: Oh man, I don't know, Brian. I'm scared about all of these missed games. I'll be honest.
1: Evgeny Malkin is like a former 100 point player and his scoring was down this year, but so was everybody's. Ryan Wilson over at Hockey Prospectus, you might know him on Twitter as at Gunner Stahl, put together a few simple yet effective graphs about how goal scoring is down this season in the NHL, and that this is kind of a bit of a trend. You might have seen, you know, when Jamie Benn won the Art Ross last night, there were a lot of tweets going around, and the two ones that were being, you know, cited the most were that Ben's 87 points were the lowest overall full season total to win the Art Ross since Stan Makeda in 1967-1968... And Ben's points per game total of 1.06 points per game. That is the lowest rate of points per game to win the Art Ross Trophy since Elmer Locke in 1948. So something is up. It is a weird sort of time for scores in the NHL. So when you see Evgeny Malkin with 70 points on the season, then there's two things you need to consider. First, he did it in 69 games, so he still had over a point per game pace. And also, scoring is down across the NHL, the league's top scorers. Are not scoring as often as they were, say, 10 years ago. It's been a downward slope. If you average all of the 10 leading scorers' point totals, it has been going down steadily in the last 10 years and is at its lowest point in that span at this moment, with the top 10 scores in the league averaging 1.03 points per game versus, say, even 1.22 points per game back in 2009-2010. Again, I'm drawing these numbers from Ryan Wilson's blog post over at Hockey Prospectus, which we'll tweet out the link to and I'll try and include in the show notes. The reason for this uh, seems to boil down to fewer power play opportunities, and the problem with that is twofold. First, well, power play opportunities are a great chance to score. And second, it means less penalties are being called, so there's a lot more being let go on the ice. There's less room to work with for a scoring forward. And players are being allowed to get away with infractions and slowing them down without necessarily being disincentivized with the penalty that usually should be coming along with it. So it's a tough time for scores overall. Don't get too down on Malkin from this season alone, or anybody else who even finished anywhere in the neighborhood of a point per game when you might have expected more in the past.
0: Yeah, well, if you recall, I was saying that Malkin had an amazing points per game, was actually one of the top in the league for that. I'm now getting worried about his injuries. You say not to worry yet. Let's see how many games he gets in next year. But okay, Back to players who were disappointing us just in this past week, who were the big names that people were counting on that let them down. I want to mention a couple of players on the Chicago Blackhawks. Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith both ended the season with zero points in their last three games. Definitely not what you would have wanted from your elite defenseman and top forward potentially. And maybe now's a good time to take a look at their seasons. Taves had 66 points in 81 games, which is good. Like, it's a good season. Like you say, Brian, numbers are down overall. I wonder if that warrants, like, a top 10... pick which I think he does get taken as in some pools I don't know maybe that's about what we should have expected from him Duncan Keith had another great year 45 points in 80 games and it's interesting with Keith because I remember we had a lot of questions on the patron Facebook group throughout the year or at least at some point saying should I drop Keith he's been a big disappointment but if you look at the overall numbers they look really good but I guess he had some droughts in between but yeah very disappointing to have both of those guys do nothing for you in the final week of your fantasy playoffs
1: And of course, Elon, let's not read too much into that last week. That three-game pointless drought that Taves had, that was only the second time this season that he's gone three or more games without a point. It happened once... After the All Star break, Duncan Keith had a couple more droughts of three games or more, including that really long one around the beginning of the season or maybe the quarter mark of the season that had a lot of people second guessing does he really belong on my team? Yes, Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves are both okay. I feel like I don't really have to tell you that, but these droughts are the sort of things that tend to linger, especially like combined with a bad playoff performance. They could impact a player's draft value or your perception of them, Taves getting 66 points in 81 games is not a terrible disappointment. He had, like, the exact same number of shots as last year and, like, the exact same shooting percentage. So everything, you know, looks generally okay with him. I think his owners like him for also his plus minus and his face-off wins and a reasonable amount of penalty minutes in leagues that count that. And essentially it's no reason to get down on him and Duncan Keith with 45 points as well. That's awesome. He should not be lowered in your perception at all from what happened this season or in the last three games.
0: Well, I mean, Duncan Keith did get 61 points two seasons ago in 79 games. So 45 points in 80 games is definitely a big drop. Which number do you expect him to be closer to next year?
1: Well, one thing you could point to for the reason in his drop from 61 to 45 is a difference of... Two points in his on ice shooting percentage. So that probably contributed to his point totals being lower than last year. But even if they bounce back to somewhere in between this year's numbers and last year's numbers, I'd still figure him closer to a 45, 50 point guy than a 60 point player.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair. That 61 point season was a bit of an aberration for a guy who's normally been around 40 or 45 points. Aside from he had another crazy aberration year in oh nine ten 9 10 when he had 69 points in 82 games. But aside from that, he's never been above 45, except for those two seasons that we mentioned. Okay, one more player who was a bit of a disappointment last week, but I just want to ask you more about in general. Corey Perry, Anaheim only played two games. He only gave one assist. You kind of want more from your superstar player. But also, I'm really interested in Corey Perry because he's a guy who was drafted so high last season. Like, I had some people drafting him. I remember Yahoo had him auto-ranked in, I think, the top five. Like, something crazy like that. And I guess it was somewhat warranted since he had 82 points in 81 games in the 2013-14 season. This year, not as good at all. He was injured for a bit, but only ended with 55 points in 67 games, which is only a 67-point pace. And, you know, if you look at Corey Perry's stats over his past few seasons, it's like two different players. Like, this year, 67-point pace. The year before, 82. Then the year before, it was closer to the 67. He had 36 and 44 games. And the year before, he had 60 points in 80 games. And then the year before that, 98 points. So, like, who is Corey Perry? Is this guy an elite point-per-game player? Or is he more of a you know, 65, 70-point player like he was this year?
1: I'd say he is more along the lines of like a point-per-game player. Like He's closer to, I'd say, being a 70-point player than he is to being a 60-point player. But the thing to keep in mind with him is that he is also getting older. He's going to be 30 years old at the start of next season, which is not a terribly old age to be. But like I said earlier in the show, in the NHL forwards, they exit their prime around this time, 29, 30, 31, 32, and that's when a slow decline might start to begin. So Corey Perry is still a very good person to own, but especially if you're in a keeper league, around now is when you need to be reconsidering his value at the start of your draft and his long-term value as a keeper.
0: Okay, and that's a nice taste of the types of things we're going to be talking about over the summer. That's right, like we mentioned at the top, we do plan to keep coming out with episodes of Keeping Carlson over the summer, and we plan to make them interesting. We don't want to just make filler episodes to put something out there. There's a lot of things that happened this year that are worth digesting and considering how they will affect next year. We plan to do an episode, not every week, we're thinking every two weeks, a new episode of Keeping Carlson will land on your audio device, assuming you're subscribed to us on iTunes or whatever subscription service you use and we have some ideas already of topics we're going to discuss over the summer brian's going to run down a few of them now and also of course you could tweet at us at keeping carlson and let us know what you think would be great topics to talk about over the summer
1: yes over the off season we are going to keep going and we are going to cover a wide range of topics we'll have a couple shows with specific themes like players that didn't slow down this year the players that did see the most regression mid-year players who broke out or broke down And then as we creep closer to the season, there's also all the normal stuff that happens in the NHL offseason, like seeing what happens in free agency, at the draft, take a look at all the offseason moves that are made, we're going to look at how advanced stats can help you win your pool next year, but now we're getting into our preseason mini series. Needless to say, stick around with us all summer. And also we're going to want you to participate too. We have some questions for you. We'd like you to participate as much as you can. So keep an eye on our Twitter account at Carlson and keep listening to the show in the off season to find out where we need you. We're going to be asking you questions about your fantasy season and also about our season, what we got right, what we got wrong. So stay tuned for all of that over the summer.
0: Yeah, we're hoping to make it a fun summer. It'll definitely be up to the listeners to sort of motivate us to do things, you know, keep interacting with us. And we definitely want to hear from you. Like Brian said, what we got wrong. I think that'll be interesting. I know, for example, one thing Brian got wrong was predicting that Paul Stastny would get more points than Joe Pavelski. I got that right. So I guess I am the knowingest Keeping Carlson host I kind of want a title for this, and then maybe, Brian, we can make more bets next year and this title could go back and forth. If you guys have an idea of what we should call the Keeping Carlson Smartest Host Title which I currently am owning because of winning that bet. Let us know if you can think of a clever name. Of course, maybe the knowingest of them all might be Dave, our patron, because I made a bet with him that I lost on one of our last patron casts. I said that Buffalo wouldn't win any more games this season after their performance at the trade deadline. I was wrong. They did win a couple, so I sent Dave a check for a dollar. But no. It's Brian or me. One of us is the knowingest host of the podcast. Right now, it's me because of Joe Pavelski's amazing season.
1: Okay, so let's set up the next challenge. I want to challenge you again for the title of the knowingest. How about our Stanley Cup predictions? Uh, Let's just keep it simple. Who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup this year?
0: Okay, so how about we'll each pick a team and whichever team goes farther, that's the winner. Okay?
1: I was thinking cup or bust.
0: No, man, someone's got to win.
1: Okay, fine. I'll agree to that.
0: <laughs> okay, so my prediction will be well, I'd love to say the Senators and that's who I'll be cheering for, but I'm not going to pick them. But I do think they have a good chance against the Habs in the first round. They definitely destroyed them the last time they played them in the playoffs. But I'm going to go with I'm going to go with an Eastern Conference team though. Maybe I'm crazy for thinking this, but give me the New York Rangers, the President's Trophy winner. Maybe I'm not making too much of a leap, but Lundqvist is back, doing well. Stepan, Nash, St. Louis even ended the season on a high note. Of course, they picked up Yandel, and they still have McDonough in the back end. Give me the New York Rangers.
1: Elon, that was actually going to be my Eastern Conference pick for a while, although I've been reevaluating lately. I feel like this year is wide open in both conferences. Like, if the LA Kings made the playoffs, I think I probably would have picked them to win the Stanley Cup. Alas, they are not. So I'm going to stick in the West And I'm actually going to go with the St. Louis Blues. I don't know if they can really get all the way, but I do still have faith that they can get farther or as far as the New York Rangers.
0: Okay, well, that's the bet. And hey, okay, if they both get eliminated in the same round, it'll be whoever won the most games in the series where they got eliminated. And then if they both won the same number of games, then it's a tie.
1: What happens if they both win the Stanley
0: Cup? Well, that would be bananas, Brian. And also speaking of the playoffs, I think I mentioned it on last week's episode, but we are planning on doing a playoff pool... All the details will be on Twitter. And of course, we'll post it also on our Patreon Facebook group. So if you want to join in, there's going to be a prize. We're going to announce that. Also, when we announce the pool, we'll send a link, you know, of how you could sign up. But it'll be interesting to find out who is the best Keeping Carlson listener in terms of predicting player performance in the playoffs. And of course, Brian and I will be participating as well. It'll be interesting to see if one of us can contend. We actually had a playoff pool last season for a much smaller number of listeners. And the winner was someone who called their team top shelf and the owner didn't give their name. They wrote half brain. So I'm curious to know if that person is still a listener of the podcast. And if you are, let us know because you're the one fighting for the repeat win.
1: You've got to defend your crown, half-brain. And if we're really good, we're going to try to remember to put the link to the playoff pool on our website, keepingcarlson.com. So please keep an eye out there in the coming days. I think the playoffs are going to start like Wednesday.
0: Yeah, so we're going to have to post this today or tomorrow. So follow our Twitter and get on our website and join this pool so you can win the awesome prize.
1: What is the prize, by the way, Elon?
0: It's a surprise. I'll post it when the pool's posted.
1: A surprise wow
0: a surprise prize
1: no that defeats the purpose of the pun
0: don't tell me how to run my show
1: a madam prize <laughs> your show
0: i'm the host <laughs> you're the co-host <laughs> i am the one who asked the questions and you're the fantasy hockey robot that's what they said on reddit
1: whose show does that make this you know what this show belongs to the listeners
0: okay fine well speaking of the listeners We do have a number of listeners who were eliminated from their pools last week. Unfortunately, they didn't win their championship. They made it so far, but didn't pull it off in the end. Maybe because they owned a Malkin or a Jonathan Taves who let them down. So let's cue up that tribute music. And Brian, let's go over some of the names of the teams that didn't make it to the end this year, or didn't win their championships.
1: Warriors. Warriors. You got a Belliveau. Trap Lords.
0: Man, a Belliveau reference. That's pretty good. I never think to use a old player, but okay, all right.
1: It's a whole untapped source for fantasy hockey names. Yeah. I mean, like Elmer Locke, we just talked about him on the show. How about It's a lock Or Locked and Loaded?
0: <laughs> Puck Masters.
1: Bozak Horseman. Very I contemporary, like that one. yes.
0: Yeah. The next Jonathan Chichu.
1: J-O-B squad.
0: Wasn't that a wrestling team? In the 90s?
1: I'm looking it up.
0: I'm pretty sure it was. It was. I'll, I'll do the next one while you look it up.
1: Okay.
0: Paz Gwins. I don't get that.
1: I think it's Penguins, but his name is Paz. Oh, nice. And the J-O-B squad. Yeah, Al Snow, the blue meanie gilberg scorpio and bob holly bob holly bob spark plug holly (laughs)
0: all right brian we're tributing
1: sorry ogie oglethorpe
0: weeping angels
1: jagger bombs
0: milk top cookies bottom that's one of our patrons
1: dj me (laughs) so
0: i I can't say i'm gonna say it i don't care
1: come on
0: it's not even that bad it's his name everyone makes that
1: joke yeah, but we're above that. This that's not for this show.
0: <laughs> okay, fine. I'll say uh Okay, this next one Brian doesn't want me to say cuz he wants it to be a G-rated show. So, I'll say it's the last name of a player and then stain. You could guess <laughs> which player.
1: You're malking me crazy.
0: <laughs>
1: Gets off my lawn. Blades of steel.
0: Oh, and this one's going to hurt. The Flamingos. <sighs> That's your team.
1: That's my team. Valiantly defeated by, like, the slimmest of margins. So sad.
0: If only Blake Wheeler would have played.
1: But it's not all bad news this week. Here we have a golden opportunity, Elon, to end our 2014-15 season on the high note, Elon How about a little winner's circle? Now that the seasons are done, we can congratulate everybody who listened to the show and told us that they won their league. Congratulations to all of you. Elon, do we have any special music for this one?
0: Yeah, I'm going to queue it up right now. Of course, Brian doesn't know what I'm queuing up because I'll put it in post. But assume there's music playing and it's very exciting. And here we go. Stop. Stammer time.
1: The Coors Light Caps... That's the team name, but even cooler, they won the Horligan Abo, which is like a Swedish name for something, for a league or a trophy.
0: The Mighty Pigs.
1: Crosby wears short Schwartz.
0: <laughs> Shea Weber's
1: burgers. Jacques straps cuff manoodlers.
0: Fat Sun Dean
1: (laughs) I love that name That is so good How do not more people use that name
0: They're too busy using Don't tase me bro
1: (laughs) 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 Also a name that I'm considering Going with for my team next year Aaron is win guy Yeah Owned by a guy named Aaron.
0: <laughs> Way to go, Aaron. Man, we still got a lot more to go. We got to speed this up. Okay. Okay. Crunch timers.
1: Puck masters.
0: Gotham grave diggers.
1: Generation whatever.
0: Toronto maple lose.
1: <laughs> Take that, Leafs. But <laughs> they won. Uh, Ratcher. No. Patcher Rusi.
0: Okay. <laughs> Carl's Sons of Anarchy. I like it.
1: Carlsons of Anarchy. Again, that's a successful team name.
0: Uh, This one also isn't exactly G-rated, so how about I just won't end the second word, but Double Penner.
1: Black Ice.
0: Team Bufflung.
1: And that team, owned by one of our patrons, Elon, made 399 (laughs) moves
0: over the course of the season. That guy earned his win. I hope he won a lot of money. all the time he put in.
1: I wonder how many times he ad-dropped the same player.
0: Yeah, let us know who you ad-dropped the most throughout the year. Like, which player was the most times in and out of your roster.
1: If you wanted to win that league, you had to make 400 moves. At least. Yeah, let's keep going. The Kessel Run.
0: Keep Calm and Bergeron. That's good.
1: Okay, we have another inappropriate name here, so we're just going to go with Hanzus Employment.
0: Grumpified. Team Reed. Heinz Tin to Foley, another patron. I guess I shouldn't be saying another patron whenever I recognize a patron team's name, because then if I went through one that was a patron that I didn't recognize, I look like a tool and we lose a patron. Sorry, guys.
1: So many of these are patrons. Thank you to all our patrons. Been there, done that.
0: Nice. And finally, the four-goal stroke. Congratulations to all of you who won... What an exciting fantasy season it was. Unfortunately, Brian and I don't join you in that list. But it doesn't matter because now I feel like I did win because all of these people who listened to the podcast won and hopefully our advice helped you out. And that's going to end it for this week's episode. But like we've said, we've got a lot coming over the summer. On the next episode, we're going to talk about players who we assumed would slow down throughout the year but never did. And we'll talk about what did we learn from this and how we think these guys will do next year. So an example is like a Nick Fellino, who we said, sell high. He's There's no way he's going to keep this up. And then somehow he did. Is he going to do it next year? Listen in a couple of weeks and we'll give you our best guess. You know, Brian will look at the fancy stats and see if these were sustainable numbers or something that will not be likely to repeat itself. So that's our plan for the next episode. Thanks everyone for listening all season long. Hey, it's not too late if you want to give us a five-star review on iTunes. We wouldn't mind. And of course, you could follow us on Twitter. Definitely do that because we're going to be posting, like I said, our playoff pool, maybe even by the time this podcast comes out, or if not, then the next day or two. But with that, I think I've rambled enough. Brian, let's cue that outro music and read us the credits.
1: Okay, this episode of Keeping Carlson was presented by Daily Faceoff and supported by our patrons. It was researched with help from Roto-World, War on Ice, Hockey Analysis, Hockey Reference, Behind the Net, Yahoo Sports, and ESPN Fantasy Hockey. And of course, thanks to you. Thank you to everybody who has taken the time to listen to our show, to tweet at us, to ask us a question, to join us in our Patreon group. We have had a fantastic season together, and we couldn't have done it without your support. Thank you so much.
0: Brian, that was so touching. Great job, and I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.
1: Until then, keep on keeping Carl San.